Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report. All Armor insiders and all YouTube subscribers and anybody who's new, thanks for joining me today. It's a Wednesday afternoon, and we're going to do an Armor education video today. The um, discussion we're going to cover today is going to be about this mechanical bull market. And I'm going to explain to you the three pillars that are holding up this market. Okay, it's something for us to watch going forward. Then I'm going to get to chart chat and we're going to talk about stage two bases for particular stocks. I'm going to look at charts with you and show you the chart patterns we're looking for now. They're different than the chart patterns we were looking for at the end of March and early April. And I'll explain that. So for those of you who don't know, this is the Armour Report. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. It's a show about quantum mental investing, the combination of quantitative execution, which requires algorithms and computers to execute. We combine that with a fundamental foundation, and that's the information edge that I share with you every day. This is information directly off the trading desk. I use this information to run my own capital and capital for investors I manage money for through our interactive brokers relationship. Now, I'm not telling you what to do. I don't know you. You guys have to make your own decisions when it comes to investing. Um, if you wish for more detail on these issues, consider subscribing. I put a link right down here for you to the Armour Report, armrreport.com. Okay, you can also, of course, subscribe to this YouTube channel, which would be great. If you enjoy this conversation, give me a thumbs up. It always helps me out. Um, Okay, now, the issue today is about the bull market that we're in. You've heard me say, if you've been following this channel for a while, that we're in a mechanical bull market. We've really been in a mechanical bull market on and off since 2009. The mechanics in this market are the Fed chairman and all of his cronies that run central banks all around the world. Okay. The typical bull market drivers that you were taught at university are not the reasons why the market goes up and down now. And it's why it's so confusing when you read the newspaper or you watch CNBC and you don't understand what the market's doing. Okay. The market is a mechanical bull market, and you have to understand the mechanics to understand direction. Now, before I launch into this, please remember, whatever I say here is not about 
prognosticating. I'm not trying to guess where the market's going to go next. We use stop losses with everything we do in our portfolios. We use algorithms to execute for us. If they tell us to go to cash, we go to cash. We're not going to stay long just because Brett thinks we're in a mechanical bull market. Okay. All right. But I am trying to help you understand why the market's grinding higher. And if it continues like this, you'll start to think a little bit different, hopefully, by the end of this video. So the mechanical bull market basically has three pillars that drive it higher. The first is the Fed. The second is the trend. And the third is the wall of worry. Now, you've heard all of these hackney phrases before, right? You've heard, don't fight the Fed. You hear, the trend is your friend. You hear, the market climbs a wall of worry. But what does it really, what does it really mean? All of those things are present right now, okay? So, first of all, we don't fight the Fed. It means when the Fed's adding liquidity, the market generally goes up. So, what do I try to do with the Armour Report? Why did I create that website for you? It's to share algorithmic information to put you on the right side of probabilities and statistics when you're investing. When to put capital to work, when to take it off. The algorithm incorporates a lot of information to come up with a statistically significant entry and exit point. Doesn't mean it's always right. Okay? Stop losses are four. Even if it's right, Eight out of 10 times, it's going to be wrong twice. Always got to listen to the stop rules, but we're not talking about that today. We're talking about the Fed is adding liquidity. So statistically speaking, being long the market puts you on the right side of the Fed and the right side of probabilities. If we go back and look, at 2009, all the way to 2010, at the S&P, you're going to see an uptrend. Let's take a look. I think it's worth going over again. I know we've looked at it before, but bear with me. You're looking right now at an unbelievable chart of Spotify, which we'll get to later in this show. Okay? But that's a second stage base that's blowing out. And, of course, we own it in the Armour Portfolios. Okay, what I want to talk about, let's take a look, see if I, oh, I'm going to have to do this real quick, sorry. I want to go all the way back for you guys. To, um, to 2009. Okay. Punch this down, see if we can't get some real data here. Okay. This bears, bears looking at because this is the type of market that we're in today. This is a mechanical bull market from 2008, 2009. You can see this green box is the gap up in the S&P 
above the 200-day moving average, and it rallied with quick, brief sell-offs. Let's look at another picture. Let's blow up the picture a little bit. Okay? Look at that huge down day right here. Oh, it looks like a gap down. World's coming to an end. 25-day moving average holds. Market goes higher. Sells off again. 25-day holds. Market goes higher. Okay? Here's a couple of weeks of a sell-off. Market continues to go higher, walking up the 50-day moving average. So you get my point. The market has quick, swift sell-offs that don't last more than a couple of weeks before gradually grinding higher. That's what a mechanical bull market is. Now, you had a nice sell-off here. It's a little bit uglier. Then you get a real big sell-off, 18%, uh, later in May of that year. Okay? So what we're looking at there is a mechanical bull market where you don't want to fight the Fed. And let me tell you something. All the way up from 2009 to 2010, there was a wall of worry about the end of the world financially. Okay? Market went up anyway. So the first step of the mechanical bull market is to put yourself on the right side of probability and error on the side of being long when the Fed's adding a historic amount of liquidity. And they keep adding more. And they keep coming out with the Fed's been talking this week. They talked last week about how they need even more liquidity. And so the market sells off because, oh, the Fed doesn't think the economy's good. That's a short-term knee-jerk. There's a rip current of liquidity coming that puts a floor in the market. Doesn't mean there can't be intraday volatility. There will be. Doesn't mean there can't be a couple of scary days in there in the market craters. It will. But the bigger picture, while you're managing your risk, is to remember the longer-term bull picture in place as the Fed keeps adding liquidity. That's step one. Step two, the trend is your friend. After looking at that chart from 2009 to 2010, you had this beautiful uptrend the market was in. Just draw the uptrend line. And then follow the market up. You're going to want to buy when the market gets down to that uptrend. And maybe you want to sell some when it gets to the top of that trend. Right? To manage your risk. Trade around the core. And that gets us to the third step, which is the wall of worry. Okay? I'm here to tell you that everything you read and see on TV that creates this wall of worry is already priced into the market. The market already knows it. That is not going to be what ends the bull market. Something else might end the bull market. Something we don't see. But worries about um, a second wave, for instance. Market already knows that. Okay? Worries about relations with China. Give me a break. Market already knows that. Market's been dealing with that on and off for the last, what, three years? Certainly the last couple years. The market ripped higher all last year in the face of massive unrest between the U.S. and China working up to the ridiculous trade deal. Okay? So let me share this thought with you, and then we'll move on to chart analysis. 
wanted to share this with you. When I say that the market already knows this, I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking from, and I'm going to share with you a story that lets you know what I'm saying is accurate. And Armor Insiders, forgive me for going over this again. I know you heard this this morning. Every morning, I do an Armor Insider video, just for the Armor Insiders, before the market opens to let you know where my head is and how we're getting ready for the day. And I shared this thought this morning with insiders, and I want to share it with all of my YouTube subscribers, okay? There's a new form of inside information out there, and it's called alternative data. I know this because I've been approached by alternative data miners who want to sell me this data. I've been to conferences down in Miami all about alternative data. As a hedge fund, as a professional manager, okay, you can buy this data. Yeah, as an individual, you probably could too. But it usually costs a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay, now how could they possibly charge that amount for alternative data? I'm going to tell you, okay? They can only charge that amount because the data gives the money manager such an unreal edge from an information standpoint that he's going to make that money back in a very short period of time by leveraging the information from the alternative data. And this is why I call it inside information, right? Let me give you an example of what it is. There are alternative data companies that use satellites to monitor the cars, the number of cars that are in a parking lot at a particular retail outlet. And using the data from all different times of day, weeks, months, and crunching that data, they can tell you if that particular stock, that company who owns that Retail outlet will have a better than or worse than expected earnings announcement based on that alternative data. Okay? Now, I'm giving you a simple example, but max that out by infinity, whatever your mind can come up with. You can literally tell this alternative data company, and there's many of them, I want this information, and they'll find a way to collect it for you. So if, you, if you're following me now, what they're literally going to do, let's say there's a new restaurant that opens up and they're opening up shops all over, let's call them, or maybe an old one, let's say Starbucks. And you want to try to figure out, all the analysts on the street think Starbucks, you know, earnings are going to be X or whatever. You could literally monitor how many cars are going through the drive through in Starbucks right now using an alternative data company. And they'll break it down for you so you'll start to see is business increasing or decreasing or staying the same? And is that bigger or worse than what the street already expects? This is alternative data. And you could do it on all kinds of things, guys. Website traffic. You could pay for all kinds of data. Now, the reason I call this inside information is it's almost, it's really the, the you know, 2020 example. Go back to the 1960s. In the 1960s, before all the laws came into, uh, into being that, that precluded this from happening, and they called it inside information, in the 1960s, 
a money manager was able to take a CEO out to dinner and talk to him about what the quarter looked like. You know, take him out for some drinks, hang out. Next thing you know, he tells you, wow, we're having a great quarter. You go back and buy a bunch of stock, right? And it was like the Wild West until the SEC and whomever discovered, you know what, that's not fair to every other investor. So they started putting in a bunch of rules into play and you have inside information, people get sent to prison, whatever. So I'm not saying this is illegal now. It's not illegal. It's totally legal. If you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars, you could pay a data service for the information. Okay? And I'm sure there's different levels. Maybe you could pay less for something else. Right? And as you go down the scale and pay less and less, you get less and less of the quality information. So what I'm saying is, it's not illegal now. Just like it wasn't illegal in the 1950s and 60s to talk to a CEO and get some great information. Okay? But it will probably be illegal at some point in the way distant future. I don't know when. Because the problem is individual investors can't get the information. Unless you have a huge pocketbook. Okay? So, what I'm telling you is, when you read in the paper, or you read in Barron's, or you watch CNBC and they say something, that information's already in the hands of the professional managed crowd. And let's be honest, institutions make markets. It's not you and I buying a stock. It's a billion-dollar hedge fund buying stock that drives it higher, or a billion-dollar you know, pension plan, or an endowment fund. Okay? So the wall of worry that you're building because you're watching TV or you're reading papers, that's all been incorporated into the market. And the real money's already gathering information telling them what's going to happen next. And you're still afraid to put money to work because of all these things that have happened before, okay? So how do I deal with that? I'm not willing to pay a couple hundred, hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand dollars for, for that kind of data. I don't, I'm just not going to do that because the armor investing way that I've created allows me to get around all that minutia. I put capital to work and take capital out based on algorithms that I've written that are about probabilities and statistics. They put me on the right side of that probability. And that's how I like to invest and trade. I could pay for the information. I could. Okay. But I just like the way I do it. I guess it works for me and it costs a lot less. <laughs> so I do it. Okay. All we have to do is get on the right side of probability and statistics, put capital to work, use stop losses to protect us, step to the side if we have to, look for the next entry point. It's not that hard. And right now, the correct side of probability and statistics is being on the long side because of what the Fed's doing and what the trend's doing. Okay? If that changes, we'll change with it. Those are my thoughts for the day. Let's move on to charts now. So here we are a couple months into a big you know, rally in the market. And you've heard me talk about before, I like to buy weakness in the midst of strength. So 
it was very easy to find a lot of weakness after the market cratered through March. So we were buying chart patterns that look like this. Let me, let me show you. Let me go here. Okay. This was the pattern we were buying before. This is Newmont Mining. Here's the weakness. Okay. Here was the weakness down to the 200-day moving average in the midst of an overall strong uptrend. That was the entry point, led to a lot of profits in the short, in the in the very first month or two of this bull market. Um, let me give you another example. I'll try to. I could probably pull up anything and I'll show it. How about Microsoft, just for the sake of looking at the chart? Okay. So here's an example of buying weakness in the midst of strength. Not here, this green bar, but back here. Market crashed, but let's be honest, Microsoft was in a huge uptrend, right? So there's the huge uptrend that Microsoft is in. Okay, going back through here. So what you're buying is weakness. You'd want to buy right here as it comes out on March 26th. We should have been buying Microsoft right then. That's weakness in the midst of strength. So now what we're getting, and I could go on and on about that. I mean, I mean, I hope you guys understand what I'm saying here, but let's look at Netflix, for instance. Here's the Netflix weakness, right? The market cratered down right here, found support on the 200-day moving average. Okay, that's a first stage base. That's the first stage base. All right, so we're buying weakness in the midst of strength. What are we doing now is the question. Okay, this is the key. I don't want to find first stage bases at this point in the cycle because that'll get me to buy lagging companies. I don't want to buy the laggards. I can do it, but let me show you what happens when you do. And I have done it, okay? All right, here's AT&T, totally lagging. You could argue this is not a strong uptrend, so I'm not buying strength. All right, maybe that's not a great idea. Let's look at um, all right, let's look at the utilities. Okay, there's weakness in the midst of an overall strong pattern. If you go back a long ways here, you can see you got a pretty serious uptrend in utilities. This is a long-term uptrend going back to 2014. You know, something like this. All right, so you're right down at the bottom of that channel. In fact. You know, if we did this parallel line and drew, a, drew it right here, what you've got here is a clear trending up, an uptrending channel for Duke going back to 2014. Stock came right down to the low of it. All right. So this is a first stage base. It ran up from our entry point and it's coming back down. Okay. The stock is not leading the market. It's lagging. Now, we still own it in conservative accounts because we're going to pick up the dividend, and we're happy with that. So it's okay. We're going to hold on to that position. Okay? But my point is, at this stage in the cycle and going forward, this is going to be true. I'm looking for second-stage bases. 
And at some point, I might look for third stage bases. But now I'm looking for second stage bases. So the question I pose to you, is a second stage base a FOMO, right? Are you just afraid you're missing out on a big stock and so you're chasing it? Or is it really a legitimate entry point? And I submit to you that the second stage base is a legitimate entry point and a much better entry point than buying first stage bases when the market's already 40% off the lows, okay? If you lock yourself in the first stage bases, when the market's already 40% off the lows, you're by definition buying a lagging stock and a lagging sector. So here's an example of what we own now. And that's this chart of Spotify as an example. Okay. Now we own this stock back here. Okay, I'm going to blow it up for you. We own the stock back here. This was a relative strength breakout. So the relative strength had broken out, if you guys remember from previous videos, well before the stock price, and we were buying it right in here. It blew out. It's made another base. This is a second stage base. They tend to be smaller, okay? They tend to be smaller, second stage bases. There's the consolidation pattern. It holds the 25-day moving average, which is this, this maroon line right here. And it blows out the top side. Where do you want to buy this? Well, we were adding to this position back here on the 15th. We were adding. Now, we didn't sell our whole position anyway. We booked some profits up here. The market cratered. We held this position. And when we started buying stocks again a couple of days ago, the first thing we did was buy the stocks, buy the stocks in our portfolios, the armor portfolios that had not hit stops. Because by definition, those are the leaders. So that's where we want to focus our attention. So if you've got a, a portfolio of stocks and the market sells off and you get stopped out of a bunch of them, maybe you have 10 and you get stopped out of five and there's five left over that never got taken out. And then you get your next risk on buy point. You add to those winners buying the weakness. And they're the first to get to new highs. And then you worry about buying new names. You trade around the core. So take a look at a couple of examples. Spotify is an example. Livongo is an example. I don't think I have to draw these, but you know, what the heck, I'll draw them for you just to make it easy. Right? They're all going to look exactly the same. These little plateaus while they took a break after making a huge run. Okay, made a huge run off the original entry, make a plateau, crawl up the 25-day line. You'll notice the 25-day is continuing to hold, blow out to new highs. Take a look at Chegg. God, that's a beautiful entry point. Holy smokes. You all know we own Chegg here, back down in this, these prices here. Stock had blowout earnings, ran up. We booked profits on this. We held a core, or in some cases, we sold the whole thing, actually. We actually sold the whole thing, booked a profit. Comes right down and we, once again, look at that, the 25-day moving average it holds. First thing we do on the 15th, add shares of Chegg. Chegg's breaking out. Here's another name that I missed. 
this is another name that I missed because the, the, the pattern was so small that I just didn't jump at this stock. But that's Fastly, another type of a pennant. This is even more of a pennant. Okay. This is not um, FOMO, guys. This is buying the leaders. Look, this stock didn't even get to the 25-day moving average. I was kind of focusing on stocks that were at the 25-day. This stock is riding up the 14-day. Here's another one. Holy smokes, how come I don't own that stock? Somebody just, you know, look at that. Look at that perfect setup. Oh, God, I'm killing myself for not only that one. Look at that chart. Classic second stage pennant that formed right at the 25-day moving average. I should have been all over this on the 15th. I missed it. Boom, stock blew out. And I could go on and on. Here's an idea. Hasn't blown out yet. That made a base of the 50-day. And now it's just trying to get up here. That's team. This hasn't broken out yet. I don't know if it will, but that's the second stage setup. Okay. Um, I'll just end up with one more. How about, how about AMV? That's not even a second stage base. That's just a beautiful cup and handle that's forming. Okay. It's either going to break below the 50 day and you're out or it takes out this handle here and you get a breakout, you know, it runs, I don't know where it goes to, but that's a nice setup. Okay. That's not really what I'm talking about. Um, trying to find maybe one more name for you guys that might fit the bill. Here's a name in our portfolio that never gave us an entry point. I just kept walking up. Okay. So I think the point's been made. I could keep making it though. That didn't, that's not a good chart. That didn't really help you out there. How about Splunk? Let's take a look at the Splunk. All of these names, look how they all held the 25-day moving average and really did nothing but a normal consolidation while the market was crashing uh, last Thursday. All right? So to wrap up tonight, second-stage bases are legitimate. They help you focus on the leadership. Okay? Market didn't have a very good day today. Armor Portfolios had a real nice day. Okay? Because we focus on the leadership. And then we'll see what happens. If the leadership rolls over and takes us out, the whole market's done. And this mechanical bull market I keep talking about will be over. But until that leadership stops, we're looking for our sell-offs to the 25-day moving average, get long, let the market run. Eventually, there'll be a sell-off to the 50-day, which might take us out of a lot more positions. But the bigger picture will be we're still in a big uptrend. So we just have to manage the risk and get on the right side of that. Okay. Now I'm going to take a couple of questions before I got to hop here. All right. Um, let's see. Ethan, thanks for joining. How are you today? All right. Did you see what happened in Genius Day? Okay. I, I'm not, I'm not going to go over all these ideas guys today. Let's just focus on these particular questions that we're going over tonight and I'll do the usual Q and a on Saturday. But um, genius, I'm not, I'm not really following that stock right now, okay? So, um, you know, have at it. You, know, you, can, you can always try to trade it. But when that thing was going through the roof over the weekend, um, I tried to tell you guys that that's just not a name I'm going to be chasing. 
Okay. And so it's coming in here. They did another secondary, I think, which they raised cash, but stock down. I just, I don't have any interest in chasing names like that. I'm looking to invest. Look at the stocks I'm putting up on the screen for you. These are quality companies that are either disruptive growth that have a moat around their business. Everything I'm going to talk to you about, all the investing we try to do at the Armor Report is to buy stocks to invest where the business model is high margin, moat around it, which means hard for people to compete, okay? Established companies like, like a Microsoft or a Netflix that just dominate a space. That's where I like to keep my capital. And I don't chase these one-off ideas, okay? Um, not that you can't make money there. I mean, have at it. Go, go try to do it. But it's just not, not for me, okay? I need to be able to manage my risk. And when an asset is skyrocketing and collapsing, it makes it very hard for me to manage risk. Okay. Um, let's see. Any comments on words? There's some thoughts on secondary price. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, Kevin, good question. So two of our uh, favorite names on our whiteboard, um, Grow Generation, which is in our portfolio, but uh, full disclosure, it's in the portfolio at $3.50, and the stock is trading at six fifty. Okay. Um, they're doing a secondary. I haven't seen the news, but it's going to happen, Kevin. There'll be an announcement in the morning. The deal was priced. We'll see what the deal price is. Then we're going to watch to see how it trades that day. Does the deal price hold? If it does, that'll be the day that we're going to want to add to our position. Um, Kados. Kados is one of my favorite defense companies, KTOS. They are literally on the cutting edge of defense technology. You guys should go look at the website. It's fascinating drone type of stuff hypersonic type of weaponry. It's really cool. I love this company. I don't like defense companies when the government is working on a continuing resolution because it makes it very hard to predict military spending. Generally, those military stocks do best when there's a budget in place. And we know that's not going to happen until after the election, right? So Trump wins the election. Military stocks, probably a great place to go. Um, so I know I mentioned in the, in the Slack room today that Kados announced the $200 million secondary. That'll put the stock down. And so if it gets cheap enough and the setup's right, I might trade it. Okay, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do there yet. Any thoughts on the IMUX? Nothing for you there, my friend. Um, I got nothing for you there. I'm just not going to know enough about that biotech to, to be able to answer that question, I don't think. Um, okay. Um, hey, Butch, I am an East Coast guy. I was a born and raised in New York. Um, let's see. Not sure if you're answering a question on IIPR. Okay. You asked me about uh, BPX. I don't have any answers for that. I'll have to look into BPX. C-O-H-N. I have no idea what anything will do tomorrow. I appreciate your, your belief in me that you think I might know what will happen to a stock that's going through the roof and then collapsing in one day. But I do not have that crystal ball, my friend. 
That's just not what I do. All right. Um, ascending triangles are some of the best setups. Matt S., I totally agree. I love them. wonder if there's a way to find them besides just sifting through charts. Um, if, you figure, if you figure out a way to find ascending triangles without sifting through charts, you let me know, okay? <laughs> I'm sure there's an algorithm that will do it. All right. Um, last question here. Matt asks, which moving average do you find uh, the most important? You mentioned 25. I, I literally like the 25-day, the 50-day, and the 200-day. You know, and those things aren't set in stone. I look for movement around them, okay? Could go below it for a day, then come back above it, that type of thing. It's not a, it's not a set in stone, but the 14-day, if you're like a quick swing trader, is my favorite. If you're an investor, the 25, the 50, the 200 are the three uh, areas that I look at. Um, Donnie, I'll answer this question. Any market direction predictions for short term after this Quad Witch Friday? It seems people are looking, market is dumb. The people have been looking for the market to dump since, you know, March. So <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. You know, look, I'm not, I'm not in the business of predicting what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen next. All I can do is put us on the right side of probabilities and statistics and then manage that risk. So the right side of probability is that the markets are going higher. What it does tomorrow, I haven't the slightest idea, right? Triple Witch is on Friday. I will tell you this. Most professionals, you know, are not waiting till Friday to dump their call position. I mean, that kind of thing has been unwinding all week. So, um, you know, I don't expect there to be some unbelievable thing that happens Friday. Um, what I have been expecting, what I said last Wednesday when we raised cash before the Fed announcement, and before the markets crashed, not crashed, had that big down day. What I said was there could be air pockets. Okay, we got that last Thursday. And I said then there's going to be a lot of volatility and no real direction until we get past quad witching. But that hasn't stopped armor portfolios from going up because we're buying leadership and leadership's working. So market might do this. But the best names are breaking out. I even see it looks like Spotify is up in the aftermarket now. Uh, could someone tell me what the story is? Oh, oh, I see the story now. Story just hits the tape. Reaches a deal with Kim Kardashian for podcasts centered around Kardashian West work, the Innocence Project. All right, so I mean, they just keep knocking it down, right? They just keep knocking it down. I don't know if that will continue to put the stock up. People might sell on that news. I don't know. But obviously, Spotify continues to be a platform to reckon with, and the stock keeps going up. Um, all right, a couple more questions you guys are throwing at me. I'll, I'll answer a couple more here. Okay. All right, Randall, I, I can't help you on the BIOC. don't know that one. Um, any thoughts on MDLY? No. Nope. All right, guys. That's it for tonight. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to talking to you guys again on, uh, let's do Saturday at 1130 again for the week in review. Okay. And Armor Insiders, I'll see you guys tomorrow in the Slack room, bright and early. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.